Hey, this is Dave Pryor. I host a lot of the leading Agile Sound Notes podcasts. A little while back, I did an interview with Lance Kind and introduced Lance as somebody who's also going to be doing interviews for Sound Notes. And I'm very psyched to let you know that we finally got our first one ready. And I'm even more psyched because I got to be interviewed by Lance, and this is on one of my favorite topics, the product goal. So as always, thanks for listening. Hope you enjoy it. Here we go. I'm Lance Kind, and this is Sound Notes from Leading Agile. I have a guest today. His name's Dave Pryor, and he's going to talk to us about product goal. So, David, who are you? So, I'm a certified Scrum trainer. I work at Leading Agile. I also do a lot of podcasting on Leading Agile and on projectmanagement.com. And my background and sort of the short version of my story is I'm a refugee of the music business who stumbled into project management, hated Agile with a burning passion, and after I spent eight years fighting it, I gave in, and now I spend my days trying to teach people how to, how to have less of a sucky time transitioning from Waterfall to Agile than I did. All right. So, so you've been doing Agile for a while, it sounds like, and now you're, you're here to talk about something called Prodigal, which I've never heard of. It, you know, as, a, as somebody who's been doing Agile coaching for a while, uh, this is a new thing, right? Well, it was added to the Scrum Guide in November. So I think it is new. I think as people get exposed to it on the surface level, they'll be like, hey, this is awesome. And then as they dig further into it, they're going to go, ah, I don't understand. That's what happened to me, only it happened a lot quicker for me. <laughs> So I don't get it, man. I thought it was already perfect. Why is why are we doing this other thing called prodigal? It's Agile's perfect. We don't need to change anything anymore. <laughs> Every couple of years they update the Scrum Guide, and so Jeff and Ken put an update out in November, and there were a bunch of subtle changes to the guide. A lot of them were aimed at trying to make it more accessible for people who don't work in software. But one of the things they added was product goal, and so I'll try to just draw a parallel to some other things in the Scrum Guide. So we've always had sprint goal as part of the sprint backlog, right? Why are we running the sprint? And we have definition of done, which is sort of a parallel that's supposed to express how we know an item is a potentially releasable increment of work. But they added this thing called product goal, and that is supposed to be the thing that helps us focus the product backlog. So the way they explain it is that that I'll try to use their language. Um, Product goal describes a future state of the product which can serve as a target for the Scrum team to plan against. The product goal is in the product backlog, and the rest of the product backlog emerges to define what will fulfill the product goal. So it's a long-term objective. And when I first read that, I was like, all right, you know, no big deal. But then when I started trying to teach it to people and give examples of it to people, I kind of ran into some rocks. So I reached out to people from scrum.org, people from the Scrum Alliance, other thought leaders in the space. I did a whole bunch of interviews about it, just trying to understand what they were aiming at. And there was a lot of vagueness. So it, Vagueness it created... with something new? Shocking. <laughs> well, vagueness, but, but the thing, here's uh, just to try to maybe cut to the, the rub of the whole thing. I came up thinking of the product backlog first as a list of requirements because I come from traditional project management. So that's what it was. And then at some point, somebody explained it to me as a set of options. And I learned about real options and things like that. And when I started to think about the stuff in the product backlog as options, it suddenly made a ton more sense. Like these are 
all the things that we could do. And so it became the place where anybody's idea could live. And we might do it, we might not do it, but it's where we put all the ideas. It's the idea box, right? And so that's awesome to me. Like now we have a place to keep it. And the struggle becomes how do we manage it? If I have thousands of things in there, some of them I know I'm not going to do, how do I organize it in a way that a product owner can work with it? And then these thousands of things are backlog items or? Yeah, yeah. It could be okay. it could be something like a user story or a task or a defect or anything we're going to deliver. It could be an epic. I guess one of the things I'm curious about in your learning of Agile, is that how you thought of a product backlog or is it different? Uh, product backlog to me is it shouldn't be uh, specified like in a waterfall project. Otherwise, the, the you're not in, uh, leveraging your team's uh, you know intelligence. They're just like you know they're just robotically <laughs> delivering delivering yeah. things that are spec'd out. So to me, it was about each user story having a customer value expressed in it. And the team then fleshing out how to get to that uh, customer value. But yeah, the, the, the idea of having a product goal is definitely a, a new thing to me. So what I'm, I think what I'm hearing is product goal is the one thing this product should do. <laughs> sort of, yeah. So this is kind of the thing. On the positive side, if you think about the fact that in the product backlog, you've got all these things, maybe thousands of things, and it's hard to manage... It's hard to keep the team focused on one thing. It can be challenging to come up with a sprint goal because there's just all these things that people want to do. Yeah. So the idea is that if you think about a product vision, right? So if a vision is this grand thing we want to achieve, then the product goal is a measurable step towards achieving that vision. That's one of the ways it was explained to me that like it that clicks, like that makes sense to me. So um, okay. A friend of mine, Gene Jendel, gave me the example of if if we want everyone on the earth to be um, happy, healthy, and well-fed in the next 10 years, what is one thing that we could do to make progress towards that? And maybe there's a program like we're going to have every child under the age of 13 receive three square meals a day regardless of income level. Like if every kid on the planet gets that, that would be an achievable step. It's mm -hmm. still a massive undertaking, but... We want something we can show, like, here's a way that we have made progress towards achieving this vision, which we didn't have that before. So that's kind of a big deal. There was just, like, the vision, and then you'd go to the roadmap or whatever, but there was no way of showing we were getting to the vision. Wow. Okay. So product goal is something measurable that gets you to the vision. That, that helps yes. me a ton. Good. Okay. Yeah. Now I'm going to make it awful. <laughs> so... What they say then is that in the product backlog, you have the product goal. And everything in the product backlog should be in service of the product goal. So we don't put anything in there that isn't about this goal. And there can only be one goal at a time. So the positive side, team stays super focused. It's easy for everybody to see, like, this is the hill that we're going to climb. And we're not going to worry about anything else until we get there. Hmm. But the downside is that you can't say to a team of executives, listen, you can't have any ideas about the other thing because we're only working on this thing right now. Like, what do you do with all the other ideas? What do you do with the technical debt? What do you do with the defects? Um, every executive who has an idea in the shower needs to have a place to put it. <laughs> and right. it can't go product backlog now because everything's just in service of that one goal. Right. So what do I do? I don't know, Dave. 
<laughs> sounds like a problem. <laughs> That's this is where I got like ah, and um, so I started to reach out to different people and ask some questions about it. And the thought leaders, you know, I mean, people, it's something that's being figured out. And I think it's really important to keep in mind that Agile is an evolving thing. Scrum is an evolving thing. The, the, the intention behind the product goal makes a ton of sense to me. And I really like that idea of it. But where it causes me a lot of anxiety is now I need to know what to do with all the other stuff. Like, do I have a separate product backlog now that's like my pre-product backlog? And then how isn't that? the opposite of where we're trying to end up. Right. So I started I started to get answers like, well, Scrum is a framework. It's not supposed to be prescriptive. You're not going to get an exact answer to this. And another person said to me, well, yes, we only have one product goal, but there might be a lot of sub-product goals. And I'm like, what's the point? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I didn't like that last one. <laughs> right, I know. So, um, but the thing is that all the people that I talk to are putting a lot of thought into it. And I think... While it is still is giving me a massive headache, there's two really, really cool things that have come out of it for me, and that is, one, it made Sprint Goal way easier to teach to people. I don't know why, but Sprint Goal is always something that I've seen people in class struggle with, and when I put it in the context of prodigal, it like magically makes sense. But the other thing is that it's forced me to take a completely new look at what a product backlog is and what is the purpose of it. And I think that's going to be a really cool thing is that companies are going to have to decide. Like you said, you had not heard of it before. As companies discover it and they read about it and they realize, well, we're only supposed to have one at a time. What do we do with all the other stuff? Then maybe the product backlog will stop being this gigantic dumping ground and people will be more intentional about how they structure it and how they organize it and how they use it. And maybe you'll end up being like, maybe there are multiple backlogs, maybe you don't do prodigal, whatever. But either way, people are going to have to make choices. And I think that that is a really positive thing. So I'm excited about that part of it. Wow. The headache in between, not so much, but the end goal, yeah. All right. It's like the great filter. So I'm thinking about this, how does it affect the way we work with the product backlog? And, and you described how product goal means you can only have one goal at a time, I think I'm hearing. So what it says is the product goal is a long-term objective for the Scrum team. They must fulfill or abandon one objective before taking on the next. Okay. Okay. So once we reach the goal, then we can pop at another one. And Well, yeah, but... You don't have, you have to start over at that point because you haven't been capturing goals or anything else because there's no place to put them. Oh, so everything on the backlog. Okay, so now we're talking product backlog. We're not talking about sprint backlog. So they're saying we can't dump onto the product backlog at all that isn't related to the goal. Is that right? Right. Okay. Huh. So here's a, here's a couple like interesting thoughts is if I have a team who's working towards their product goal, and in order to get there, they have to make some compliance stories happy, right? So some non-functionals. I think that's okay. Well, you, you can tell me. If they add that to the product backlog, I'm going to say this. I'm okay with it because maybe the goal, maybe the progress for the product goal slows down a bit, but there still is only one goal. So we, we, we could still have other matters that are either they're non-functionals that directly relate to the product goal or non-functionals that kind of less relate to it. Um, and 
if the team or the company or the way the product backlog is being um, filled isn't really in good service of the product goal, that will re- that will show up in our progress charts, if you will, about how fast we're reaching our goal. And so then an organization is allowed to eat the cake they're cooking. So if they're going to really focus on the product goal and get there fast, great. And then the, all the charting and all the reporting and all the, 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 the visibility that we create in the project will, will show that. And then okay. if they say, oh, no, we got to do a bunch of other stuff because of, you know, something's not working right in production. So, and, and if they start deviating a, a bit from the product goal, then that progress will slow down. So I'm taking it from a theory of constraints perspective, where the, if we're going to pick one measure and we call it product goal... You could let a team do all kinds of crazy stuff, and, and the, the result will be their product goal measurement will be bad. <laughs> okay. Am I abusing it, or is that, is that I, a... I, well, I think maybe. I, my understanding or the way that I've been kind of encouraged to think about it is that like, we have some kind of product goal, right? So maybe it is um, we want to reduce in-store shrinkage or theft by 10%. So everything that we plan to do is all in service of that. And if we start bringing in stuff that's ancillary to that, right? then yeah, that impedes our ability to meet the goal. And so that's something that we'd be pruning out of the product backlog because it's not going to help us get to the goal. And we should prune it out. I'm just trying to enable this thing where people come up with, oh no, this quarter there's a new compliance issue. Uh, California privacy laws have changed, and now you've got to add this into your web application, even though it's, 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 it, we'd rather not, but now right. the government says we have to. So I don't see it as directly related to our goal, but it's something that we have to do for, for a number of reasons. Well, maybe the goal change. Maybe that means the goal has to change. change. I think that's another thing that, uh, that you can learn from this is that Maybe the goal that you set is not a good one. That's possible. And it does say you can abandon it. So maybe you change in the same way that you might have a sprint goal that you realize, oh, this was not a good goal. We should change this. Um, Hopefully that doesn't happen a lot, but it could happen. Yeah, so it's interesting because it's the period of time I don't understand how people are using product goals. When when the word product is used, I think of it like the product vision, like your original frame was about the product vision. And then I go, okay, great. That means we're going to measure our success towards the vision. And if we deviate from it, that will show up in our measurements and uh, we'll have the story to tell like, well, you didn't want us to work all, put all of our capacity towards the, 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 the product vision. Cause we had to do these other things. And, and then, you know, that, that's the story. And, uh, but now when we say not necessarily product vision, but other things like the goal is to get compliant for, for a few, whatever, a few months that it takes us to get compliant. Okay. That, I think that will work too, but it's not helping us towards what I would call the product goal. So I have a... Well, or, or you would have to complete what you're working on now and then refactor it to include this new, um, you know, compliance thing. Yeah. I'm, well, okay. Which, which, which create, this is the thing where I get like, I, all the lean people I know would be like, if you're not going to, if it's not part of the goal, like, yeah, you don't capture it. It's waste. You just, it'll come back. Uh, but if saying we're not going to think about that until we finish this one thing, I mean, that's sort of waterfally in the first place. 
that that may not be a very efficient approach. Yeah, I don't know. So I like I like so the the, the thing I I'm totally aligned with. I like how prodigal makes you think about measurable success towards your vision. Like that that was that metaphor that you used was really powerful. Making these smaller ones like quarterly prodigals work for me less because it's easy to. Well, because I'm going to have to have different measures for different things that come up, but uh, maybe that's okay. I don't fully know the intent, and and I think you're exploring, or or, or do you know the intent is to have a, a different product goal for um, periods of time? I'm just going by what it says and the people that I've spoken to about it. I also I think it's important to probably acknowledge that most people aren't reading the Scrum Guide with the level of intensity that I. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, Because I'm trying to teach it to people and I get these questions about it all the time. So, read those words to us again, please. Which ones? The the product goal description. The product goal describes a future state of the product, which can serve as a target for the Scrum team to plan against. The product goal is in the product backlog. The rest of the product backlog emerges to define, in quotes, what will fulfill the product goal. And then Uh there's this kind of bolded section where it says, a product is a vehicle to deliver value. It has a clear boundary, known stakeholders, well-defined users or customers. Product could be a service, physical product, or something more abstract. So that, that is them trying to say to people who are reading this, it's not just software, right? And the product goal is a long-term objective for the Scrum team. They must fulfill or abandon one objective before taking on the next. Wow. Okay. No, I think you're 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 using the tool the right way. Everything there is. Uh, I was trying to make it something that it wasn't. I was thinking about vision and just using product goal to measure towards the vision. But no, it's just saying like, hey, you can. You're expected to have. Uh, several product goals probably, and when you get one done, then you go on to the next. And so this really reminds me of, or they're just tightening up the language around what are you going to do for a while? And that doesn't mean long-term, that means middle or short-term. Yeah. And, and, and be focused on getting that one thing done, whatever that one thing is. Right. Yeah. That, I mean, it makes sense to me too. It's just that in the, from the execution standpoint, I start to get really confused about that because um, I mean, what are we going to do with all the other ideas? Where are we going? Like, that's always a struggle for me, anyway. Is like, how are we going to decide wh- where to keep all the other stuff, or how to organize the other stuff? Is it you know a theme based thing or something like else? If we something else, if we have thousands of things in the product backlog, yeah. how do we cope with that? And this, it, it, I mean, from a really extreme dogmatic standpoint, it just sounds like you're saying, well, you just don't, you ignore all of it. And and that's like one thing I want to just give a shout out to Dave West. I did this interview with Dave West and he was really awesome about it. And we had a great conversation and I kept looking for these like really hard line answers. Like this is what you do with it. And, and finally, at one point, Dave's just like, look, dude, it's a framework. <laughs> it's not, you're not going to get like, this is the way you shall handle this thing. Like that's not what the scrum guide's supposed to what? be. Yeah. So it is, <laughs> you know, you're supposed to figure it out and wave your hands in a circle and say, it depends. Right. But it does. Yeah. Right. We're looking for that magic tool that means we won't ever be wrong and we'll always do the right thing. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. exist. And that's so sad, but that's the way it is. <laughs> well, when we have vagueness, we want rules to, to provide guidance. And and I think that that is something that if you're working this way, you have to constantly, you're constantly relearning that you're not going to have that and adjusting to that, which is tough. You were talking earlier about how this is connected with options or real options. I'm not sure if you used the word real options. I did. 
connect us I, to those things. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, in case Chris Matz ever listens to this, I, I apologize. I don't, I am not, um, well-versed enough to speak to that. But Chris Matz was the first person that talked to me about real options. And then he's got a, a book, a graphic novel, actually. Yeah. how it works, which is really awesome. And the main thing that I took away with that is that we have to keep in mind that our options expire. And so their value is going to change over time. So that's another thing that I think is important to this. Like to me, if I put everything I could possibly do into the backlog, yeah, obviously some of those things are no longer valid or valuable to me. But from a, I guess what I'm trying to balance is the fact that from a project management standpoint, which my brain still works that way a bit, historical documentation is really important. And so if somebody had an idea of something we thought we should do, I want to have that. Because I, even if we don't do it, I'd still like to have a record of it so we're not starting from scratch over again. We can dip into this well and find the things we thought of before. It makes me nervous to say that we would just not keep any of these options around. But I think if we follow the the thinking of the product goal, then we're going to have to decide what to do with those options. We're going to have to decide what to do with those options because... Because they don't belong in the product backlog, so where are we going to put them? <laughs> Secret product backlog. It sounds like, but that's that's not good either, though. <laughs> yeah, but see, I remember this. This is a little bit kind of off the, off the track, but I remember hearing a story one time about how Morrissey had a box in his house that he would just like write scraps of lyrics down, like a line here, a line there, and he'd put them in the box. And then when he needed ideas, he would just reach into the box and pull it out. Yeah. And so to me, like that's a great example of what a product backlog full of options could be. Yeah. But. I can see where somebody who's hardcore on the like it's waste side is if it's not good enough to turn into a whole song right now, throw it away. Yeah. It's really good. It'll come back. Well, how many times did Keith Richards wake up in the middle of the night and not write down or figure out how to play satisfaction all the way through? Right. How many songs did we lose because of that? So I think there's probably benefit to both, but I think there is a lot of overhead and probably waste in managing a massive backlog of things, most of which you won't do. Yeah. No, I'm I'm swimming in that as well. I I'm uh, arguing with myself about that because, for example, I just moved recently and I had to clean up some of those backlogs that were on my wall. <laughs> and some some of them were active and, and moving forward, but slowly. And some of them were like, uh, and and they were roadmaps that were pretty far in the future. And there was and then I realized, well, look, some of these things I'm I'm just not going to do. I can I can see now the world has changed enough since when I wrote that down that that's that's definitely waste. And then there's a, there's a stack of them where <clears throat> I didn't throw them away and they're sitting over there on the table. So, but, but so you probably have ideas for stories or characters or things that you have spent a lot of time fleshing out and working through in your head and kind of falling in love with. And then you decide like, yeah, that, that character, or that story, that's not, there's right. no place for them anymore. And, but you've put a lot of effort into that. And this is the thing where I feel like it's a shame to throw it away because that idea that is no longer valid could spark some new idea that is the really great one. I agree hundred percent. And so it's like, it's like what I tell my wife about with things in the closet. If it's been in the closet for a couple of years, you're still not going to wear it. So clean, you know, there's a certain point where the closet's too, is too full and, and you can't yeah. actually manage the, the inventory anymore. Same with ideas. And, uh, um, that's where you need to ask yourself some hard questions. Am, am I really going to do dip into the well or am I just dumping things in the well, never looking? So my metric is always this. 
if you pick something out of the well and you do it in the last 12 months, then you probably got some value. If it caused you to stop for an hour and, and look through some past things and, and then and, and grab some things, then I think it's a great process. Another trick I did for leaning out the household was there was a stereo system that was in the other room that we didn't use very much. And I said, look, I, I'm tired of looking at it. I'm going to put it in the garage. And if, if in 12 months, if we don't care to go get it out of the garage and we're throwing it out. Okay. <laughs> so, that worked. so you condo all that stuff out of your life. My wife and I did that too. When we, when we first lived in New York, we had a really small apartment. We, we took all the books we didn't, we'd read already and we put them in storage. And then after a year, we, we got rid of them all. We donated them all. And in, in the past, probably 15 years, we've bought, I think all of them back because wow. we felt like we needed them around because even though we'd already read them, they're like, I mean, my wife's got like five copies of Walden laying around the apartment. Like that's a really important book to her. And even though she's not reading it right now, it's there as like a, I don't know, it's a thing that needs to be there. <laughs> I think, uh, and I think that's true. So when I talk about storing my user stories, they're usually at a physical form as well. So there's a certain point where it becomes how do I say that? Clearly filling up the drawer and then I have to clearly make some hard decisions. And maybe the problem with IT is if we stick it in like a Jira or Rally or something like that, it's an infinite space and you may not actually, I don't know, care to dip into the well. But again, if you're the kind of person who, so the archivists, those are people who want to archive everything. Whenever they talk to me in some of these trainings, like, well, when, you know, I want to keep that around. I want to keep this around. I want to keep that around. I want to keep the stats around. I go, look, that's great if you're going to use it. But if you're just dicking it somewhere and it's there, you're just filling up your file system for years over years and you're not looking, you never looked at even once, you got to, you have some questions to ask yourself. So I think you kind of sparked a new idea for me, and I hadn't really thought about this when you said the thing about the file system. Because I remember switching from being somebody who organizes his files to just being like, ah, screw it, the thing can find it. If I type in the right characters, it's going to find the file. So basically, our computers have become like the TARDIS, and our product backlog can be like the TARDIS too. Like, it's infinite in its size. Yeah. But you're not going to get to see all the rooms in the TARDIS. There's too many. Like, there's a pool in there somewhere, but we can't get to it. They're never going to show it on the TV. And for the product backlog, if we say that it is just an infinite list of stuff, an infinite list of options, and people can add to it whenever they want to, then there's going to be a bunch of stuff that's just dragging around, and it is waste, taking up mind share, causing us to make decisions and wearing us out. But I don't know. I mean, where where are you going to have the waste? Is it going to be on paring that stuff down and having to conjure it up again or carrying it around and being like, yeah, I got too much stuff to carry? The problem is I don't know where the threshold, when you hit the threshold either, unless I'm in the, in, in the moment. So the day I like go, I can't find anything because there's too many things in here. Yeah. That's, that's the moment where, okay, we let things get <clears throat> too far. Then you have to do something about it. You have to like spend effort cleaning up. Knowing when you're approaching that level before you have the emergency of, of like your computer saying like, look, you can't boot your computer now because it's too full. <laughs> that, that's nice to know. Is when, oh, when, when do you it's see the last time that happened to you. It's been 10 years yeah. since you had that problem. Right. And you have all the external drives now too. Like that's the <laughs> thing, right? You have an infinite amount of space. Yeah. So yeah. that's a, that's a scarcity yeah. issue. That's gone. True. That's true. I'm wondering if maybe we need like a whip limit for goals in the product backlog. 
maybe a team could manage or would need to maintain a certain number of protocols at a time for the project to stay coherent. And then what Dave West said is, is spot on at that point. Well, so WIP is an actually in progress means that you'll, the WIP is one. Yeah. WIP as some, far as... Some other, you know, like a limit to how many things we can have. It wouldn't be called WIP, but it would be something like that. There could be a threshold of how many things we have to maintain or can maintain as a goal in the product backlog at once. I have a proposal here, Dave. Yes. Anybody who wants to have more than one product goal... You can have it, but you got to put it on your wall, all right? And if you can put it on your wall and it doesn't drive you crazy, I'm talking about the extra ones, the ones that your, your team is working on is, is going to be highly visible and everybody's like paying attention to it. But if you want to have a, other product goals, put it on your wall so you can look, so you will be looking at it. And then when you're tired of looking at it, you take it down. <laughs> <laughs> because you've got yeah. it or you got the value or something. That's my suggestion. Don't put it in a, in a drive with infinite. Well, the thing is they're all putting it in, in, you know, Jira now. So I know that's just, <laughs> and, I, and I think that's uh, not a good thing. Well, it's a different, my opinion. We have a, different, we have a different problem to solve now. It used to be, we didn't have enough space. Now space is not our issue. So it's it's how do we manage our, our attention and how do we manage our focus? And maybe what there needs to be is a backlog of goals. Right? But then I go down this path of, okay, I'm a traditional project manager, so I'm halfway to a Gantt chart already. I, mean, <laughs> I have goals with sub things and deliverables, and I'm, I'm building my work breakdown structure again. Got it. Yeah, no, because one of the side effects of product goals is it sounds kind of like story mapping. You you got a product goal, you have a, a number of things that are attached to that product goal, and then you have another product goal, and you have a number of things like work items or whatever yeah. attached to that product goal. And I like that. But if it's not important and you don't care to look at it on your wall, <laughs> it's probably not important. Well, I get, and maybe this is my limitation. I think of it like story mapping. If I could only have one horizontal strip at a time, yeah. And, and, and I had to throw everything else away until I got to the next strip. And I'm just like, I can't, right. I can't do that. My brain, <laughs> my brain doesn't work that way. My uh, brain doesn't say, okay, I'm only going to focus on being able to process a, a transaction with one kind of currency right now and not spend any time thinking about other kinds of currency until everything else is finished. I don't know, David. Maybe, Dave, maybe we have a problem. Maybe we're too OCD. Because I have heard of other people talk about, yeah, I used to keep a lot of notes and stuff until I realized, you know, these notes didn't actually give me a lot of value. So, so I think there's, there's a war out there right now, and I don't know who's going to win, and I don't know what uh, is the right answer, personally. But I, I do recognize when I'm saving too many things after a while, and... I mean, I'm the guy with a lot of tabs on my browser. I don't know if you've seen it, but some people like, you know, kind of question my sanity sometimes. <laughs> well, I have tabs that were open for a couple of years, and I, then I finally realized I'm tired of searching for my other tabs. I can't find them. That's waste. It is slowing me down. I got to close these buggers up. So I go through and I clean some of them up. And then I, you know, so it's like that. But when you, because it's, it, it, it gets in my way. And so I, I, that waste hits me. So, okay. So I guess it's like this. If you can keep sticking things in Jira and it's not slowing you down, then you're okay. All right. There's no demonstrable way to say that it's a bad thing, but once it, right. once you, it's slowing you down, then I think, yeah. 
Well, I also think that we have a habit of thinking it's good or it's bad. And I think that's part of it too, because really it's neither. You know, whether you're having one product goal and everything supports that product goal or you're jamming a bunch of other stuff in there too. Like in a sprint backlog, I would have a sprint goal, but I might have other stuff in there too that's not part of the sprint goal that we need to do. Yeah. So maybe I need that same freedom with, with the product backlog. And I don't think that that has to be good or bad. It's just practical. Wow. We need to get a cognitive uh, expert here because I, I have a feeling that we're programming. So we're also anchoring ourselves to the past a little bit. Yeah. And, uh, or we, cause we value something that happened in the past. And, and the question I have is, would we, would we, you and I, would we be better people if we just like let things go a little bit more? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think you do that. I think each of us does that to some extent. Like I can tell you in my inbox right now, there are 9,782 unread emails. <laughs> I've let, I've let that go. I yeah. mean, I can't keep up with it. And yeah. so, I can find stuff by searching, and that's that to me maybe is the thing is that in the systems we use now, the searching is robust enough you can find things. So if if you had a product backlog that was full of everything, but you were still able to like suss out a goal and tag things and be able to say, okay, this is all we care about right now, but we're still going to put everything in here, then maybe that's the best of both worlds, and it's really just an organizational issue. Well, hey, let's try to put a bow on this baby. So product goal, what do you think the behavior is that Ken and Jeff wanted to have on Teams? I would never, ever, ever try to guess what Ken and Jeff want. I'm not that stupid. Uh, And I'm sure there's lots of people who disagree with what I'm saying. And so I would, first, I just want to say, if you're listening to this and you have strong feelings about this, I welcome the debate. I've spent months working on this problem and my ideas are where I've ended up, but I'm easily swayed and could be convinced to think of a different way. There's, it's likely I'm missing a bunch of stuff. I think the positive about this is it's going to cause organizations to make more conscious decisions about what they do with a product backlog. Like like John Cutler, we did an, interview, did an interview one time, and he talked about the Sprint, and he said, if you were hiring a Sprint, what is its job? If you're hiring a product backlog, what is its job? Like, what do you need it to do? Yeah, I and like I that. think for an organization to make a conscious choice about that is a really positive thing. But I think in the short term, as people start to try to come to grips with this, they're gonna it's it's the same gonna be the same for them as it is for me. It's like toothpaste and orange juice. It just you, you try to reconcile them and you can't get there. Um, so you have to make new choices. I want to put out a call to the uh, whoever's listening to this. If you're one of those people who have let go of old things, product backlog is only of current things. It may be specifically a product goal. You should let us know. Like, give us some feedback because I would like to hear from you because you're like, you're, you've done something that I haven't done. Just decide like, look, I'm intentionally going to get rid of the things that I'm not doing. And maybe that is a big breakthrough. I want to hear from you.